The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the fourth chapter. Then Jesus began to say, all in the synagogue in Nazareth, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Is not this Joseph's son? He said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Doctor, cure yourself, and you will say, Do hear also in your hometown the things that we have heard you did at Capernaum? And he said, Truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many windows in Israel in the time of Elijah, when the heavens was shut up three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them except to a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. The Gospel of the Lord. All right, I've got something to get off my chest. Seriously, Tom Brady and the Patriots, again. Are you sick of it? Yeah? I'm so tired of Bill Belichick and his stupid cut-off sweatshirt and mumbling press conferences and Tom Brady and how amazing it is that he's 41 and still at the top of his game. Blah, blah, blah. I wish those Chiefs could have beat those play-stealing, deflated, ball-using Patriots. And don't get me started with the Rams and their young coach that everyone's so in love with. Give me a break. They have all this money to spend on these superstars on their defense, and they're not even all that good on defense. Lame. What? Pastor Paula, is that you or that... Is that you talking, or are those just clashing symbols? Hmm, clashing symbols. We heard that in the Bible today. Does the Bible ever convict you? This week, I've been thinking a lot about that famous love chapter Paul wrote to his church in Corinth, Greece. Maybe some of you had it at your wedding. And one of the things that convicted me was how many of the things I say that are not loving, <laughs> like my sermon intro. Now, I know it's sports hate. That's the phrase for it, the teams that are your rivals that you don't like. You don't really hate them. It's just sports hate, so it's okay, right? Well, let's think about that. When Paul was writing to the church in Corinth, they were a lively bunch of people. They were excited about their faith, and they got in arguments all the time, like, who's the better pastor, Paul or Apollos? Would it be all right if we ate meat sacrificed to an idol as long as we don't believe in the idol? Who does the most important work in this church? Is it the teachers? Is it the council? Is it the ones that give the money? Is it the pastors? Paul's response is to say, you all have gifts. The Holy Spirit has given you gifts. 
And whatever gift you have, it's all for the same purpose, to love God and love your neighbor. Then he uses the image of a body, and he says, you know, in a body, the eye can't say to the ear, I'm way more important than you are, because every part of the body has a purpose and is important, and we all share the same body. No one is more important than the other. So it is with this in mind that each of us has a gift to share, and that we, as in you and me and all of us, are part of the same body, the body of Christ. It's with this in mind that Paul starts to talk about love. He says you can speak like an angel, but if you don't have love, it's just a clanging symbol. He says you can move a mountain with your faith, but if you don't have love, it doesn't amount to a hill of beans. And when Paul talks about what love is, it's never a feeling for him. It's always an action. It's something you do or don't do. Love is patient. Love doesn't have to have its own way all the time. Love is kind. It doesn't boast or get jealous. These are powerful words, (laughs) hard to live up to. Another phrase that convicted me was how love does not rejoice in wrongdoing. Do any of you join me in enjoying, in rejoicing in wrongdoing of others? <laughs> when you see, you know, like the video of the guy with the road rage or the parent who yelled at Santa at the mall, do you just want to kind of click and send it along the way because, hey, I might be bad but at least I don't drive down the highway with the guys on the top of my hood of my car. (laughs) I mean, there's a big part of me that will be so happy if Tom Brady really messes up and has a terrible game. (laughs) Who cares if I think that? Tom Brady doesn't know me. You don't know road rage guy or Santa yelling mom, so what's the big deal? Last week, we heard the first part of Jesus' sermon in Nazareth. It was about how he was coming to proclaim release to the captives and sight for the blind. And today, we heard the end of that sermon. Jesus has come back home to Nazareth, and everybody there knows him as Joseph's son, and we're so happy to have him home. He was a local boy made good. If you're from a small town and there was ever anyone famous from your town, you know how they felt. I love telling people that Phil Jackson, the famous NBA coach, and I went to the same high school. These people had heard about Jesus' miracles and how he was coming home. Maybe he would make Nazareth, which was kind of a depressed town, better by performing some sort of miracles there. Back in Williston, Phil Jackson gets invited back all the time. Maybe he's going to build a new field house or something. I don't know. These people get all geared up to hear what they want to hear, to finally get something that's just for them. And instead, what Jesus does is points out all the ways God has shown love to those outside, those you wouldn't think God would show love to. Just as much as God loves you, God also loves them. So that would be like Phil Jackson coming back to North Dakota 
and talking the whole time about how much he loves Chicago and Los Angeles. We don't want to hear that. Talk about us and how much you love us. Well, those people's reaction to Jesus is pretty strong. They don't want to hear about those outsiders. They want to hear about the insiders. And in a way, it reminds me of what Paul is saying to his church. You can do great ministries for each other all you want, but if you aren't showing love in here and out there, it doesn't matter. When the people hear this, they tried to throw Jesus off a cliff. Well, today, let's, let's think together a little bit about showing love and ways maybe we can do this. I hope you have been getting the emails that are coming out at noon on Wednesdays called Love in Action. They come out at noon because that's when we serve our free meal every Wednesday. And our community connector, Kathy Bowman, writes stories about you, <laughs> the ways you're loving this community. This week, it was about backpacks for kids and the meals that are sent home with students on Fridays so they have something to eat over the weekend. I know you are good about showing love in ways I'll probably never even hear about. It's amazing. You have been loved by Jesus, and you want to share that love with the world. What else do we get to do? One thing I've been working on this week is praying that God would help me show love. An easy prayer. God, help me show love today. Now, this might sound silly, but today I'm going to try and do what my dyed-in-the-wool Patriots fan friend Karen suggested. I'm going to try to appreciate seeing greatness during the game today. Because it is amazing what Brady and Belichick have done. They are making history we probably won't see again in our lifetime. And most everyone on the field could be my kid, including the coach of the Rams. <laughs> but not Tom Brady. He'd just be my, you know, pesky little brother. But that's amazing. So I am going to try to appreciate... Tom and Sean McVeigh, and to hold my tongue and show love. I know it doesn't really matter. But if I have thought about and prayed about and been convicted about anything this week, it's that love is most often about the little actions rather than the great big ones. So God, help me show love. I don't need to share this video or this scathing article that I read. I can stop it right here with me. I don't need to rejoice in the wrongdoings of my sisters and brothers. God, help me show love. I don't need to tell everyone how much I hate the president, or I hate the governor, or whoever I'm mad at about the state of the state or the state of the country. I can write a letter. I can be kind and patient as I look for solutions. Love is an action. Love does things and it doesn't do other things. It isn't about your feelings. It's about being Christ's body in this world. At the end of Paul's chapter on love, he says, we don't see the whole picture. It's like looking through a dirty mirror a lot of the time. We're so 
stuck looking at our worry for the world, our families, our church, because it seems like love never wins. But we know only in part. One day we will know fully just as we are fully known. Jesus knew that we would not like to hear God loves the people we don't like. Anne Lamott says it's a pretty good indication that we have created God in our own image when God hates all the same people we hate. (laughs) But in spite of doing that, Jesus keeps giving us love so that we can keep giving the love. Even when we try and throw him over a cliff, he passes right through because he's on the way to the cross where he pours out his forgiveness no matter how often we mess up showing that love. Also that we can love one another. Will you pray that prayer this week? God, help me show love. God, help us all show your love. In Jesus' name, amen.